Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway. Like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Say goodbye to diluted creams and serums that are often made up of 70% water and 15% preservatives, leaving minimal space for the ingredients your skin craves. The scientists behind fiber skincare have spent 15 years perfecting nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. And just one year ago, they patented a way of wrapping these nanofibers around oil or liquid-based ingredients. The result was a formula that delivers five times more active ingredients compared to creams or serums with no need for fillers like water preservatives or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is a plant-based anti-wrinkle set of patches that you use over seven days, applying them just like your favorite serums. Your skin will feel tighter in 10 seconds and over seven days, the program is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by 19.4%. In fact, they have a tighter skin guarantee where if your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they will give you your money back. No questions asked. Go to fiberskincare.com and use code unfiltered for 15% off. I have, I've been using this language for a long time. And back when I was teaching college courses, I would say this and a student one semester raised her hand and was like, excuse me, Emily, could you please define your terms? What exactly do you mean by confidence and joy? And this was many years ago. And I was like, oh, that's a really good question. Drop it like a hat. Drop it like a hat. Drop it like a hat. Natalie, what do I do? <laughs> I hope it's giddy giddy. really excited you're here and that was terrible news to start off on um you know we saw your topic and I was like this is so timely I it just feels so timely because I feel like yeah let's definitely talk about it we've had a lot of conversations about sex and people not wanting to have sex and you know we've never really talked about it from the perspective of a woman often it's really the perspective of men and not women and it's kind of something we quote unquote have to do versus 
want to do. So do you want to go ahead? But I I love the alignment too of uh, sex and stress. I'm so interested in that. So guys, uh, we have author Emily Nagoski. 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 But really close. Thank you. And is a sex educator and best-selling author. You, uh, you have done so many things. You have so much education in, um, in all of this. Do you want to tell us exactly what it is you do for work? Uh, so I'm a sex educator, which for means for um, adults, grownups, uh, okay. I, I don't understand children. That's just, that's just not my audience. Uh, okay. A million years Love ago, that. I had a job as an academic advisor to first year students. Um, and they were like, but what am I good? They were 18 years old. And like, I have to decide now what I'm going to be when I grow up. And I used to tell them that to figure it out, you think about what kind of problems you'd like to solve, what kind of people you like to work with. That's and that's good. basically it. And wow. for you, it was adults and not children. Yeah. The people I like to work with are college age and up. Okay. And the kind of problems I like to solve are the barriers that prevent people from living with confidence and joy in their bodies. Okay. 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 So, okay. This is going to be good. Confidence and joy in our bodies. You are trying to help people to feel confidence and happiness in their bodies. Yeah. That would people, so many people want that so bad. Yeah. Uh, I have, I've been using this language for a long time. And back when I was teaching college courses, I would say this and a student one semester raised her hand and was like, excuse me, Emily, could you please define your terms? What exactly do you mean by confidence and joy? And this was many years ago. And I was like, Oh, that's a really good question. Yeah. <laughs> let me, um, let me think about it for a week and I'll get back to you. So I spent a week thinking and like, you know, vacuuming up dog hair and being like, what do I mean? (laughs) And I finally figured out that what I mean is that confidence is knowing what is true about your sexuality, your internal experience, your culture, your orgasms, how your brain works. Confidence is knowing what's true, even if it's not what you wish were true. And even if it's not what other people tell you should be true. Confidence is knowing what is true about you. And each person has their own truth. Yes. And then joy. And the, and the truth changes over time. About every five years, I need, find I need to like renew my oh, understanding that's, that's, that's true. about that's me. That's interesting. Same with policies. <laughs> that's actually so relatable for like us sitting here, you know, um, uh, after uh, having children and also being married for a long time. The idea that, that, that to sit back and reevaluate every few years is probably really important because we don't just stay the same. No, we do not. <laughs> Hello, menopause. <laughs> oh my God, amazing. So we're sort of at the, like a, at a point in our lives where, you know, Kat, Kat and I, a lot of the, a lot of the stuff we talk about is we, we use comedy to make it, it easier because it's a struggle and it's hard. And we're in relationships where we feel like, um, sex, sex when we were, when first room relationships was just spontaneous and we would do it and it was like we didn't really think about it and it wasn't complicated but now it's like it feels like you got to get it done you got to like schedule it and it doesn't I don't think that we're always thinking about the joy of it anymore because I saw the way your whole like body's energy changed and you're like so we got to schedule it (laughs) so let's talk about the joy part because joy is joy joy is the hard part Joy, confidence is knowing what is true. Joy is loving what is true about your body and your sexuality and your culture and your mind. 
even when it's not what you wish were true, even when it's not what other people tell you should be true. So the main, like my target is that like, now we have to schedule it. As if the way you had it before was the good, right, best, correct, healthy way. And the way you're experiencing it now, there's something wrong. Like I shouldn't have to schedule it. It shouldn't be such a project. Sex is a fucking project in a long-term relationship. It is a mutual hobby. Okay. A mutual hobby. Okay. Okay. It's work. It's work. It's a hobby. It's effortful, but you do it because it's fun. Okay. (laughs) I love you. You know, Emily, I think like, you know, okay. I want to do two things. Number one, the barriers for women. And let's just talk about, I think, you know, it's so easy to talk about it as being fun and joyful and the, the, the good of it. Uh What are the barriers for women to get to the good and the joy of it? Because I'm assuming it is the changes. It is their bodies. It is not being recognized as people. It's, you know, just being being recognized as people. Nailed it. (laughs) Right. So let's talk about how your brain actually processes sexual information and makes arousal and desire happen. So this is, just want you to know that I feel like, like, I feel it as a, you know, as a, whatever age I am, I feel like I still have so much to learn. I love that you feel that way. So many people uh, come to sex education feeling like they know a lot. And it is true that a lot of people know a very great deal about sex. Unfortunately, almost all of it is wrong. Okay. Like if you got your sex education from like public schools or your Sunday school or born like those are sources of information that make it feel like you've been educated when actually yes. you've just been lied to over and over and over again for uh, some decades. And yep. your brain is filled with information that you're pretty sh- like, why would it not be true? Um, so recognizing that like, actually you still could like learn a whole bunch of stuff. You are so far ahead of where many people begin. So I love that. Okay. So the mechanism in your brain that controls sexual response it's called the dual control model. Dual control model means it's got two parts. Mm-hmm. And when I tell you that the first part is the sexual accelerator or the gas pedal, doesn't that mean that the second part must be? The gas. No. We, did, we have the gas. Okay. The ignition, the Hot lighter, the fluid. One part is the gas pedal. The second part is? The, 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 the gas the, the foot, the foot. <laughs> The, the brakes, foot. the foot, the foot, and a handbrake too. There's multiple different brakes, brakes actually. Brakes, brakes. gas pedal, and the brakes. We can do this together. Oh my god! Dual Emily, control you model. We wouldn't get that right. I know, I know. Sorry, Emily. We're slow. We're slow. No, it's all right. Well, we've just had big news, so it's like a shock to our brains. So, the accelerator notices everything sex-related, all the sexy information in the environment. That's everything you perceive with your basic external senses, like. What you see, hear, smell, touch, taste, and also everything that you think, believe, or imagine, and everything that you experience in your internal body sensations. And when it notices all that stuff and it codes anything as being sex-related, it sends the turn-on signal that many of us are familiar with, right? Okay. In parallel, at the same time, you have breaks, Noticing all the good reasons not to be turned on right now. Everything that you see, hear, smell, touch, taste, everything that you think, believe, or imagine, and all of the sensations 
from the internal experience of your body, everything that could be a potential threat. Including even like having to make dinner. Like, is that where we're at? Or no, that's just, you're just like inside internal, right? We're not even talking about if, the external factors. Oh, it absolutely could be external factors. So everything you think, believe, or imagine uh, includes your reaction to the role you find yourself in, in a household. Let's talk about relationship stuff. So the break I should say is, uh, sending a turn off signal. So arousal is a dual process of turning on the ons. Yes. But also, and more importantly, turning off the offs. Emily, so, my brakes are so well oiled. Yeah. Some people uh, have that's really how I feel. sensitive like, brakes. Some people really have well. less sensitive brakes. Most of us are average. And the thing is we live lives that just pile on stuff that hits the brakes. So if it's like, I am making dinner, I am busy. I'm trying to like, just like make my family's life happen. This is a literal story I've been told, uh, not about cooking dinner, but about changing a baby's diaper. So uh, I, I was at lunch at a conference and I was talking about the dual control model at lunch at this conference because that's that's my life. And a woman says to me, could you please tell that to my husband? Because what happened this morning was we were both getting ready to leave the house to go to work and I am wrist deep in baby poop. And he kisses me on the cheek and says, do you want to have sex tonight? That's so relatable. Like he had a lot of choices he did. about what to say in that yeah. moment right? Her brain state in that moment was, I am doing like the goopy, uncomfortable work of childcare of tiny human infant. And you're asking if I want to have sex tonight. Like what makes them want to do that? Like what makes them like, because I have to think here, not consider the situation like, when saying that. Yeah. I just, it blows. Like, how can they not, they, do they have less breaks? Like, are their brakes not as, like, do they I say brains? Are they brakeless? Are they brake? Like, no, no, like no. So everyone's brain has the same set of mechanisms. People do vary in the sensitivity of their accelerator and their brakes. And even more, they vary in what activates their accelerator right. and what activates their brakes. So okay. uh, if I were going to make a generalization about, like, men and women, which I... Yes, I know, not fair. I know, yes. it's really bad. We but shouldn't do that. I, let's do yes. it. There really is no blanket statement that you can make, but I'm going to yeah. go ahead and make a pretend blanket statement because it helps people understand what's going on in a dynamic exactly like this one. If there's a difference, it's that men's brakes are less sensitive to overall context. So context is a combination of your internal state and your external circumstances. Men's brakes are more responsive to internal bodily sensations. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. 
Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Because I have, okay. I have to think if a man was changing a diaper and a woman went up and said, do you want to have sex tonight? He'd be like, fuck yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I do have to, I do think that they wouldn't be offended. Maybe, I don't know. I don't, I'm only speaking from my experience, but if I was to whisper that at any point, there would not be like, how dare you say that to me when I'm changing it? Like, what are you thinking? It's just so interesting to me because what you're saying makes so much sense. And then, but how we feel also makes so much more sense, but how they're thinking also makes, do you know what yeah. I mean? Like well, yeah. is, oh, what she so, just said, and that does, I mean, that definitely makes sense. It's not being a blanket statement, but that makes sense in our experience about. I think what's more important is, uh, I mean, this is a patriarchy. Yeah. It's like the gender binary scripts that a person is given, like on the day they're born, some adults look at their genital shape and declare it's a boy or it's a girl. And if you're given the it's a boy script, then a whole lot of what you are taught. First of all, uh, you only have access to like three emotions. You get winning, you get angry, obviously, and you get horny. And you're Sorry, really you denied access. Angry, winning, and horny. Yeah. Angry, winning. What are you winning? You win the war, you win the game, you win the like battle for your relationship. You win. You're allowed to win. Angry and horny. Yeah. I mean, what about happy? Mm -hmm. Angry is for pussies. I mean, happiness is like frivolous and really it's for girls. Sadness for girls. It's a weakness. Loneliness. It's really your fucking pussy. So when a man feels lonely or sad, he may approach his partner for sex. And really what he's saying is, I'm feeling really lonely and isolated and disconnected and I'm longing for connection with you. Uh, so can I put my penis in your genitals? And maybe the partner is in the middle of, I don't know, cooking dinner or changing a diaper. And their response is uh, no to sex right now. And they don't even realize that what the partner is really asking for is something much bigger and deeper because he doesn't have the vocabulary. He's not allowed to say, I'm really feeling really lonely and isolated and longing for connection with you. Because what would you say if you're in the middle of changing a diaper or making dinner and he comes up to you and kisses you on the cheek and says, I'm feeling really lonely and disconnected. I'm hoping that tonight we can do something so I feel really held emotionally. I just, I, do you think, like, you know, I, I, is it, how do they get self-aware enough to know that that is mm -hmm. what they're feeling? So it's not your problem because again, 
you've got the brakes coming on when it becomes your responsibility to serve a connection for someone else, because it's no one's job. If you feel lonely, it's not my job to make you feel less lonely because that's something you have to work on because I'm available. So speak to me about in a way of what you need, not just me, not me service you. So you feel like you're more, um, you, you now have connection to something because if you're lonely, I got to think you got to look at something more than just me of why you're lonely or, as, a, as a partner. Or mm-hmm. as a partner, is it part of my job oh, to help God, you feel that's a good question. not lonely? So this is the other side of the equation is if you're born in a body where everybody looks at your genitals and goes, it's a girl, then they raise you to be what my sister and I in our book Burnout call human givers. Mm-hmm. We take this, there's a moral philosopher named Kate Mann who wrote a book called Down Girl, The Logic of Misogyny. And she uses the language of human givers. And we feel like that script on the day you're born, you are taught that you have a moral obligation to be pretty, happy, yet calm, and attentive to the needs of others with generosity, right? So if we have like a cis het relationship following these scripts without having yet begun to unearth their true selves from underneath this pile of junk Mm -hmm. we've got the human winner who uh has been taught a bunch of toxic things including which emotions he's allowed to express he expresses horniness because it's the one he's allowed to express and then the human giver feels a moral obligation to be generously attentive to his needs and therefore feels obliged to say yes. Mm-hmm. This shows up in complicated ways in sexual relationships all the time from small stuff like your partner is doing something and you're like glad to be there, but they're like making, they're doing something to you. I don't know what this is. Sorry about that gesture, but they're doing something to <laughs> you. And they're like this, he cares about your sexual pleasure. So he says, do you like that? What is the only correct response? Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yep. Because you have a moral obligation to be attentive to the needs of your partner. And that means never, ever hurting his feelings instead of being like, just actually a little faster and a little lighter would be better. Thanks. Like it's such wow. a small thing. But if we feel, if we can free ourselves from feeling obligated to be attentive to their needs, by which I mean preserving their egos as human winners, boy, oh boy, would, uh, I, I wouldn't have a job anymore and I would love say it. Say that one more time. I was going to say, 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 how do we do that? Say, say that one more time. Yeah. So let's imagine a world where we have two generic human beings of any gender identity, any genital structure, and partner A is doing something to partner B and partner A cares about their partner's sexual pleasure great and says do you like that and partner b does not feel like they have to deprioritize their own pleasure in order to protect the ego or even identity of their other partner because that's not how people measure their self-worth anymore they measure it by the authenticity of their connection with their partner Okay. Okay. Um, I have to, cause that this is so much like this, like, so like light bulb moment. So basically if I can synopsis this, that's my not even new word. <laughs> if 
if, if we even don't even talk about pleasure, right? Because that's like even, that's even more evolved than it even sure is. Yep. coming to even. Because how do you even of, recognize what pleasure feels like in your body if you've spent your whole life believing that your pleasure matters less than almost anything else? Well, even your desire, like I think it even comes down to the place of, I think a lot of women get stuck in a place because we, you just summed it up. We think we're responsible for their, their pleasure and they, what they need at the sake of where we're at. But if they, if they were aware of us as, as, oh God, come on, cat, hold on. If they could see us as people, like, because they don't even see how they're looking at us as a means to them being connected. So we are disappointing them and not doing what we should like. We're bad because we're not doing it. So the fight happens because you're, why wouldn't you want to do this? And you're like, but why can't you see me as a person who loves you, but doesn't want to do that right now? Yeah, right? but you, do, that you, you don't have an obligation and they are not entitled. Let's take a break. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Okay. Um, all right. Okay. Yeah, I, I mean, like, I'd love for you to answer how we make all that happen, but I guess that's what your job is. And we, you don't have like all the time to tell us how can one person evolve with, I can give the you person evolve. Can you, can, can one evolve without the other? You do or have you to co-evolve mm. because so let's in a, in a cishet relationship. Let's just define cishet for people because I think some people are going to be like, right. what are you talking about? So heterosexuals are, are the straight folks. Yeah. If you're a woman, you are attracted to men. And that really means cisgender men. So cisgender folks are the ones who on the day they're born, they get assigned. It's a girl or it's a boy. And they grow up into people who feel psychologically comfortable and socially comfortable in the role that they've been assigned as okay. opposed to trans non-binary agender and other right. gender outlaws who they too were assigned a gender it's a boy or it's a girl on the day they were born but as they grew up they were like yeah no that's not me actually right. i'm something i else. don't want to play football and drink gatorade and be rot like that i don't identify as that right now the role that we put them in yeah, but I mean, even a cisgender guy could, so I'm married yes, to yes. a nerd. 
who never played sports. And he has two younger sisters and a mom who did not put up with that shit. And so he grew into like a guy who doesn't conform to the gender norms, but he's still cisgender right. because yeah. he feels comfortable being perceived as a man. That's and so important. he feels confident in like, yeah, that's, yep, that's who I am. Even though I don't give a shit about football. Right. Okay. And I read a lot of comics and watch Star Wars, like still a dude. Whereas a trans man would be like, when you call me miss and you perceive me as a girl and you force me to do the things you perceive as girly because you are worried that there's something wrong with me, that's not okay. I, the, I do not feel aligned with that identity. My internal experience is something not that. Got it. And that's a trans man can love her on the girly shit. Yes. Yeah, yeah, so you're, that's, yeah. That's a whole yes. Holy shit! This is like we want to steal you for another topic to explain all of that to our audience, but we'll stay focused on this for now. Wow! Oh, you really should talk to a trans or non-binary person as like an actual expert on these things. For sure, for sure. That's a great point. Okay, 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 okay. So, cishet couple, so. straight, cisgender. They're in a romantic relationship. Let's call it a long-term relationship. Uh, now I have forgotten what the original question was. No, like they so, come in, like who, can you evolve together? Okay, can you evolve like, together? Okay, so you're in a long-term relationship. Let's say you need to move some pieces of furniture up the stairs, right? You've got a big project. It might feel like the correct thing to do, if it's two pieces of furniture, you got two people, you assign one person the task of lifting one piece of furniture and another person the task of lifting a different piece of furniture up the stairs. And that seems reasonable. But it turns out that piece of furniture is too heavy. The first one is too heavy for the first partner. It's mm -hmm. too heavy. You had a plan. You were like, you need to do this. This piece of furniture is your job. Do it. The fact is they need help. Okay. They're going to need you to show up and help them lift the heavy piece of furniture that you did not choose. Mm -hmm. Nobody like decided, you know, what we should really bring into our relationship is this giant, heavy, ugly piece of furniture that is the like cultural gender binary restricting all our access to different emotions. And no, you both have to do it together. Your dude is going to need help. This is a really heavy lift. What if they don't like, you know, uh, and they're not they going to want to, I was going to say, what if they don't yeah. want, like, I think it's such a, because it's really a violation of human, I call it human winner syndrome. It's a violation of human winner syndrome to acknowledge that change could even be necessary, that mm -hmm. they could be wrong about anything at all. No, human winners are infallible that they need help with it. No, no, no. Human winners never need help with anything. So I love it, the name human winners, by the way. Like, it's like so sums up such, I think all of us can think of human winners in our, like when you say human winners in our heads, it, it, it's such a, like, wow, what that they're kind of lucky. Like they really have to think they're winners all the time. Wow. I How exhausting, feel like right? I mean, I don't know. I feel like they don't know any different. I feel like they don't think about anything else. It's just my way or the highway, kind of. Kind of. And also it means that all those other emotions, like joy and connection, sadness, loneliness, they do not have access to. And connection is a biological drive. Humans sicken and die of loneliness. 
holy shit. Wow. Well then, I mean, at first I wanted to be one of them. Now I'm not so sure. I know everybody is screwed over in the system. Nobody has it easy. Okay. I guess they're reliant. That, that would be scary to be reliant on a connection of somebody that would be scary to be, you know, like a, like half to half of a person. If I didn't have someone to like, tell me I'm a winner, uh, like all of that stuff. Right. Like you have to have it to feel good about yourself. That would be hard. Yeah. So, um, the toxic masculinity part is where people truly buy into the idea that they don't have those other more vulnerable feelings. They don't need anyone else and they don't feel loneliness or isolation. They just are horny and they need sex, for example. Um, and they have to hide everything else. Brene Brown talks about armoring up. Men walk around in suits of armor that disguise all the soft, squishy internal bits of their longing to love and play and explore with nothing at stake. Because as a human winner, they're constantly competing in every moment of every day to prove and establish that they are worthy of participating in the world as humans. Oh my gosh, I feel bad for them. I really hope our sons don't have to feel that way. I really hope so too. And you're going to have to intervene actively to talk to them about like, here are the lies. And it'd be super good if the men in their lives do not model human winner syndrome, if they can cry and feel lonely and hug and play and laugh and not just cheer, not just be like, yeah, you won or be like, well, brush it off, but actually be like, oh, I feel so hard to lose sometimes. It really hurts. That's really sad. Okay, so I so let's let's taking- preserve the next generation of men, okay. and let's preserve the next generation of girls feeling like they have a moral obligation to be pretty happy, calm, generous, and attentive to the needs of others. There's a, a pretty dark but very important pair of books by Peggy Orenstein called "Girls and Sex" and "Boys and Sex." She interviews okay. teenage and college age young men and women, and get stories from them about the way sex works for them. And like one story from Girls and Sex that really stands out. A high schooler told her about a time when a boy came over and he wanted sex and she did not want to have sex with him. So she gave him a blowjob so that he would leave her house. Is this a book that we could share um, with our daughter, that our, our teenage daughters could read? Or uh, I think it's for you to read, yeah. Okay. <laughs> There are all kinds of great books for young people. Uh, there's Let's Talk About It, which is like a graphic nonfiction yeah, by Erica Moen and Matthew Nolan. It's really, really good for younger people. So sort of junior high and younger, there's Wait What, which features a character called Weird Platypus. And that makes it my favorite. Um, there's You Know Sex by Corey Silverberg. And actually they have a whole like series of books about explaining sex in a way that doesn't even invoke all this like crappy rigid stuff uh the earliest one is uh what makes a baby so if you have like little little kids who are asking where babies come from they write about the ways that a baby can come into a family without ever mentioning gender or specific just like there's a uterus somewhere wow that's right? really that's good. good because that's like for now our kids are like 
well, how are they going to get a baby? How are they going to get a baby if they don't have a man and woman? How are they going to get a baby? Yeah. What makes a baby answers that question. I actually got, I went to a conference where I heard Corey Silverberg read this like children's bedtime story out loud to this group of like wildly sex positive adults. And all of us were in tears by the end. Cause uh-huh. in the, like he interviewed parents of every gender combination and he found, they found that the thing that ties all their stories together, whether they, did surrogacy or adoption or intercourse the thing that ties all these stories was the waiting and so the last question is who waited for you wow because it's the love that ties it together it doesn't have anything to do with our genitals or our reproductive systems I feel like I have so much to teach my kids right now I thought I was doing a good job and now I'm like oh my god because you're doing your best no I I I am you know and um we oh my gosh I feel like all the questions that we planned on asking you during this are oh questions no. that I still have I still want the answers to but I feel like we got so many other I feel like we just drank from a fire hose no I know and I feel in like, a good way like, in a really good I love way. everything that naturally came out of this um because often we have I want you again <laughs> because I feel like we often have come I mean just to, to wrap it up because we're so cognizant even of though we did time uh, I, I really do think that um you know, women, this conversation, so often it's about foreplay or like how to get in the mood or how to have the conversation. And I think uncracking that, like, it's a double, you, it's, and there it's, isn't it's, something wrong with you. Like, and this, there's something deeper going on. There's something like with, with a, a, the way that we were literally raised. Yeah. yeah. You were and raised to believe that your body is the enemy, which pisses me off so much. Mm-hmm. And I feel like my job is to create a world where women no longer believe that their bodies are the enemy or there's anything wrong with them just because they have the bodies that they have. I, I think also the enemy and servant in a, in a really weird way. Mm-hmm. It feels like, you know, it's like you're, it's not your body. And that's a really, that's yeah. a really oh. big thing to kind of think about is like, you know, we, you kind of sacrifice a little piece of yourself every time you just do something for someone else. And I think that when you stop and think about that, you know, how harmful that is to a relationship, because Mm -hmm. you're not even aware that you're servicing someone's needs that they're not even aware of at the self-deprecation of yourself. And you, you're not aware of it, but that's probably where a lot of like the the resentment builds up, but you're not even sure it's resentment. It's just this conflict of like, but that when you also said like in a, in a relationship, as long as you know, in that relationship, the the people want to have a sexual relationship. It's a hobby, but it needs to be worked on as well. Yeah. Like I use in uh, Come As You Are, the book, I use a garden metaphor that on the Mm -hmm. day you're born, you get a little plot of rich and fertile soil. And on that day, your family of origin and your culture of origin begin planting ideas about bodies and sexuality and love and safety and trust. And as you get older, they teach you how to tend the garden so that by the time you get to be an adult, you've got this garden full of all kinds of ideas about all those topics, and you did not get to choose any of it. Mm-hmm. And if you get into a relationship with someone, they're bringing their garden, mm-hmm. and you've got yours, and you, you're, if you choose to be in a long-term relationship with someone, you're going to co-create a garden together. You're going to bring the stuff from your garden into the shared garden, and they're going to bring the stuff from their garden into the shared garden. And some of those things are going to be a profound mismatch. Yep. And so this hobby, this chosen garden that you are co-creating, you're going to have to do a lot of analysis of the stuff in your garden. What do you actually want to bring over? 
And what do you want to abandon to die? And your partner has to do the same thing. And maybe there are some things your partner is like, yeah, I think this is fine. I'm going to bring this over. And you're like, actually, no. Actually, that's uh, that thing that you're bringing over into our shared garden is really toxic to this beautiful thing that is absolutely essential to me. Which a real gardener knows that's, that's exactly how it works. Some plants just can't live beside each other and together. Yeah. So that's, and, and like a garden, our sexualities have seasons. It mm-hmm. is natural for it to be one way at the beginning of a relationship and for it to be different uh, 10 years down the road and to be even more different 10 more years down the road. The couples who sustain a strong sexual connection over the long term are not the couples who stay the same. They're the couples who, even though sometimes the garden gets neglected, they always choose to find their way back mm-hmm. to each other. Mm-hmm. I think that sexual seasons is so important that, you know, I think also people never talk about that it is normal for you to go through different seasons in different in your in your life and understand that if you can both acknowledge it's a season, but you choose to be together, you know, in life, then you're acknowledging something that isn't, you're not doing this for me. I'm like, you must not like me or like, you must not, you know, like yeah. when they, when you equate, you, you're assuming something based on not even a conversation. So this was the, uh, the, easy sex at the beginning of a relationship and the we have to schedule it later in a relationship you're in a different season there's nothing wrong with it it's just that it has different needs now because it has grown and aged and you know emily i would love to have you back and just and, and, and on the conversation of like intimacy versus sex and you know the intimacy which i think you're talking about is the intimacy of being able to share how you feel with the connect, right? Like the intimacy that leads yeah. to the sex. So, I mean, it's a whole nother conversation and just like, holy shit, you blew my mind. No, we could talk to you forever and ever. Um, and we'd love to have, have you back if you will give us where can, Oh my gosh. Where can everyone find you? Because really, I mean, and in the show notes, we will, ha- we will definitely put your book, um, mention those other books that you mentioned, which will be really helpful to the listeners. Um, Cause I just sat there and I'm like, oh my, it's like, wow. I love your analogies. I love the way you speak. I could, it's so easy to listen to you I know that you don't like talking that you prefer to to deal with adults but it's like you talk in a language that's simple enough for a kid to understand which is great for us (laughs) (laughs) oh good Uh, where can people find me uh so there's the books come as you are and burnout is the stress book if you're like I can't even deal with sex right now I'm just so exhausted and overwhelmed burnout is the book for you um is that gonna help oh yeah get through the burnout and back to sex yes Okay. There's a, the reason I wrote my second book was about stress instead of about like sex and relationships or sex for men is because I kept being told like, yeah, 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 all that sex science that you wrote, Emily, that's great. But that one chapter about relationships and feelings that really changed everything for me. I think burnout's a really good one for a lot of, um, mamas. Yes. Touch out burnout. Like, give out notice ahead of time like we've gotten a lot of like I started reading your book in the bathtub I had to stop halfway through the introduction because I was sobbing so much and come back to it like a month later like it can be intense to be confronted with this stuff like y'all have experienced a little bit of the like the sudden confrontation with the big feelings yeah yeah Uh, yeah, you're right so uh burnout when you're ready 
Uh, there's the mm-hmm. Come To Our podcast from Pushkin and Madison Wells, which is available wherever you get your podcasts. There's uh, my newsletter. If you go to emilynagoski.com, you can sign up for the newsletter, which is a combination of like sex advice and overall stress life advice. Plus updates on when the next thing is happening for us. My next book is about sexual connection over the long term. Like I've been like, oh, I should I should send you my draft. I should send you my manuscript, yes. but I know I shouldn't do that. I shouldn't okay, do that. No. It's not done yet. It's not done. Uh, no. Yes. No. No. Is your newsletter free? Yeah, hundred percent free. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. Well, we're gonna go look at everything. Cat's gonna buy me burnout for Christmas. <laughs> I recommend the audiobook. I'm read it to you. Yes, read it to Amelia you. and I narrate the audiobook, and Amelia's husband, who's a professional musician, scored it. He wrote the music for Verna. Yeah, for the audiobook. Oh, so we can listen to we'll it. We'll go for a walk and listen and cry. Oh my yeah. gosh, a lot of people do that. Thank you so much for your time. We took more time than uh, than than we were supposed to, and we would really love if you didn't hate us to come back sometime. <laughs> we will reach out. I'd be glad thank, to. Thank you for everything you do. Thank you so much. This was really fun. It's my favorite thing in the world to talk about. Well, you enlightened us largely. Yay. Have a great day. Thank you, Emily. Bye. Bye. Bye.